Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome to Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Sports Talk brought to you in part by Genteel Apparel. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. Genteel has got uh, men's clothing that is comfortable and is functional and looks fantastic. And you can find Genteel Apparel in men's stores all across the state of Mississippi, including Harry Meyer Clothier, uh, Clothier in Meridian. Landry's in Oxford, S.F. Allman in Gulfport, Smith & Company in Greenwood, and Steve's on the Square in Philadelphia. We are coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studio. I should tell you, by the way, that Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. Pearl River Resort Studios, visit them online at pearlriverresort.com for all that is happening uh, at Pearl River Resort, whether it's dining, gaming, golf, water park in the summer, or live entertainment, you can find it all at Pearl River Resort. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, thank you for being with us this afternoon. There is a, uh, a story today that certainly transcends sports. It happened last night during Monday Night Football. Certainly you know about it by now. Damar Hamlin the safety for the Buffalo Bills, who was in a starting role because of an injury to uh, another player early in the season and really had grown in his second year in the NFL, uh, suffering cardiac arrest on Monday night. He made what was a pretty innocuous tackle, a play that happens 30 times a game in an NFL game and looks just like that. Made the tackle, popped up from the tackle, wobbled, and then fell backwards onto the turf. He was attended to immediately by medical personnel, uh, they administered CPR, and um, they used the uh, the AED, the portable defibrillator, uh, for him right on the uh, on the field. He remains in critical condition at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center, which is a trauma one medical center that was only a couple of miles from the stadium. The reactions from uh, across the NFL, across the sports landscape. And just across the United States, for people who saw that and feel felt absolutely helpless and just like want to do something, uh, have been nonstop since uh, what about eight o'clock or so last night. 
I say this is a story that transcends sports because, and, and I'm just using a very small example, and you've probably got your own. Uh, Paul Gallo talked about it this morning uh, on the day that the legislature goes back into session. Uh, I heard Gerard talking about it earlier today. We're obviously going to talk about it. I got a text message from my 12-year-old daughter just before lunch today saying, Hey, Dad, is there any update on the football player that was injured last night? It doesn't really matter what age or what you do. This is a story that seems to have hit everyone. Guys, it was Monday Night Football. It was a high-stakes Monday Night Football game with Buffalo and Cincinnati. We didn't talk a ton about it yesterday, but we made reference to it several times. What an incredible ending to what has been a great football holiday weekend. You had the college football playoff semifinals. You had more bowl games. You had Mississippi State's bowl game yesterday morning. You had the Rose Bowl yesterday afternoon. You had the incredible finish in the Cotton Bowl with Tulane upsetting uh, Southern Cal, and then you get the Monday night football, and it's not just like a throwaway Monday night game. It's the Bengals and the Bills, two of the most popular quarterbacks in the NFL, and you're just a little over halfway through the first quarter, and then the football world, and much of the world period, much of the United States period, just kind of came to a standstill. And it was as if everybody was saying, I can't believe what I just saw happen. Yeah, that's a good way to lay it. And maybe the we underestimate sometimes, or maybe we don't, how impactful football is. And popular, I don't think, is the right word, but impactful. It dictates how people manage their holidays, how they manage their finances, how they spend weekends and, and everything. It's so important and so big and larger than life that at times you can kind of forget that those are human beings out there. I had a high school coach used to put it this way, actually. Uh, he, he would say, football's not a contact sport, it's a collision sport. Mm. It's three hours of collision. And at times you forget the physical toll that one football game has on these guys' bodies. That. I forget what documentary it was, but NFL players don't feel right after games until Wednesday, sometimes Thursday, after a game on Sunday. Physically, they don't feel right for days after a game, and they do that now 17 times a year if they don't make the playoffs. And last night was kind of a sobering reminder that football, this corporate, larger-than-life, entertainment thing that we all consume and love is, at its core, a violent thing involving sons, brothers, fathers, husbands, boyfriends, etc. Hey, Dad, the Buffalo Bills fan base has developed a reputation for being an incredibly giving and an incredibly generous fan base. Mm -hmm. If they see something that happens, they choose to donate money, kind of as a collective, to a cause to show their support. Last night, after this happened, it was kind of discovered that DeMar Hamlin had created a 
a charity for a toy drive in his hometown. And he had created a GoFundMe for that charity with an initial goal of $2,500. And if I read correctly, as of last night's game, there was like $10,000 that had been raised for the Chasing M's Foundation. It's now got over a hundred, almost 169,000 individual donations, and it's closing in on $5 million. And it kind of started out with the Buffalo fans kind of grabbing that and saying, because there's this need and this want to do something when you can't do anything else, and Buffalo fans, again, have developed this reputation for, okay, we will give. And it started with them and has absolutely virally spread like wildfire across the country and across the world to the tune of almost $5 million raised to the point that they have updated the mission of his foundation on the GoFundMe page. It says this fundraiser was initially established to support a toy drive for DeMar's community. Sponsored by the Chasing M's Foundation. However, it has received renewed support in light of DeMar's current battle. And we can't thank you all enough. If you'd like to show your support and contribute to community initiatives in his current fight, this is the place to do so. It's incredible. It's also great. It's also awesome. And I, and I, I, I hope in the near future, the very, very near future, DeMar is able to look at that and go, Wow. I appreciate it. You know, I hope that 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 day is coming. I hope that hour is coming very, very soon for him. Mm -hmm. The most recent update that we have that has come from the Buffalo Bills is that DeMar Hamlin is still in critical condition at a Cincinnati hospital. Um, I think because of the medical attention that he received on the field immediately after his injury, Episode, however, we're classifying it. They were able to get a heartbeat before they loaded him into the ambulance. He was sedated once he got to the hospital so that the body would not go through any additional trauma. Sounds like he was intubated so that he is being supplied oxygen and has a heartbeat. And look, I'm, I'm nowhere close to a medical professional. But I don't think this is uncommon in situations like this where there's severe trauma to the body, where you sedate a person so that their body's not trying to do too much too soon. And then when the doctors get to a point where it feels like the body is responding to the treatment that's being given, then they will slowly back off that sedation and allow a patient to regain consciousness and and kind of start to come to I mean, it feels like there's some speculation in what I was saying there. I'm not trying to do that at all, but I'm with you. It's like everybody is just sitting and waiting on pins and needles, hoping for good news. And it's a day where there's been no news when everybody wants news. And after a little bit of misinformation that spread around on the Internet and through social media channels, it's largely been quiet today. I feel like people have kind of backed off... um, we were reminded that hospitals have no responsibility to hold press conferences to give you updates on their patients. That's not how it works, even though people have this thirst for information. 
Ceasefire text line is open to you at 601-879-4395. We'll get to some of your messages when we come back. Just getting started with you. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. Ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Tyler in Starkville says, My eight-year-old daughter asked me first thing this morning how Mar Hamlin was doing. That kind of had an effect on lots of different age groups. Get another message that says, Well said, Borky, well said, and I mean that sincerely for your comments just a moment ago. Um... Brad said the NFL did the right thing by ending the game. Just remember that our first responders don't get that choice after one of their own is injured or killed. They have to return to work to protect us. Don't take that for granted. Thank them when you see one of them. And it was first responders, right? And uh, uh, it was the paramedics, the medical professionals that were there last night that immediately provided the life-saving services that DeMar Hamlin need. And, and any chance that he has to survive this tragic event last night is thanks to the immediate medical care that he got. I I heard somebody on the radio say today, and I I thought this was a good point, outside of being in a hospital, it's possible that an NFL football field was the best place that DeMar Hamlin could have been because of the world-class medical care and personnel that is available uh, to all players immediately, if necessary. And... uh, they kept showing it. it they, we'll get to this in a little bit, I'm sure. The the criticism of the broadcast and stuff, I, I thought, was completely unfounded. Um, but they, they they did keep showing the the player reactions, and it that really, uh, for some reason, maybe I'm just kind of hardened by you know the news, essentially, with, with everything being bad all over all the time. It's what what mm-hmm. we see that I don't get emotional when stuff like that happens. And then they showed player reactions. And, and for some reason, that was when it was it became more real to me, watching them. I mean, these are guys that have played football for how long? They've seen injuries, probably gruesome injuries. They've seen and been a part of guys getting carted off the field. It, it happens all the time. It's a very, very violent game. And for young, incredibly tough guys to have that kind of reaction is when it turned... For me, I don't know why it was, but like seeing Josh Allen's face, where you could tell he he just didn't know what to do, didn't know what to think. He's like, I don't, I don't, I have no idea what to do with myself right now because I just watched my teammate, presumably a friend, guy you care deeply about, possibly lose his life on this field right now, and that was when it really hit me that it was not just your typical, we hope he's okay getting carted off the field, we'll give you updates. It was, yeah. th- this is very, very different. 
You you know who struck me as having, in the most understandable way possible, a roller coaster of emotions? Well, Stefan Diggs, star player. You see shots of him standing on the sideline with tears rolling down his face. And then Stefan Diggs, just, just based on, I mean, this is just very little observation, strikes me as somebody that's a doer. Right, you know, you have different kinds of people in tragic situations or, or, or just life situations. Right? You have people that are, are are comforters that are there to like kind of wrap their arms around you and say, uh, you know, I, I love you, what can we do? And then you have people who like they can't sit still. They they need to be doing. You know, in the aftermath of a, a family, you know, losing their home in a fire. It's the person who is immediately trying to gather clothes and food and necessities. Like, somebody else is going to take care of, like, the emotional and the spiritual needs that are immediately there, but there are physical needs, too, and I'm going to take control of that. And and I know it may be a weird parallel, but I thought when it looked like initially they were going back to play, it was Stefan Diggs who was the doer. Like, calling his teammates together, it's like, all right, guys, you got to get focused, we got to play a game, we got to do this. And then when it became evident that that wasn't going to happen and shouldn't happen, it was like Stefan Diggs was, again, able to kind of let down that facade and the emotions came out. And then you get the shots of the locker room, and he's a guy that's already out of his, you know, leaves the locker room in a towel, and he's going to, you know, speak with someone from, from the Bengals outside the locker room. It was – you saw Dawson Knox – standing there holding hands with a teammate. And you think about the year that Dawson Knox has had, losing his brother prior to the start of this season and being able to have a team rally around him and have an incredible season in his first year of this new contract, and now he's dealing with the loss of a teammate, potentially, certainly a severe injury, a severe um medical condition for a teammate. So, Borky, I think you make a great point. Right? I mean, that was what drove it home, and it wasn't just the Bengals players. Or, I'm sorry, the Bills players. It was the Bengals players as well. And in some ways, Zach Taylor was like the guy that seemed to be the most emotionally stable person in the stadium when he kind of walked out and met with Sean McDermott and was like, yeah, we're, no, we're, we're not. We're not playing. Let's take care of our teams. Let's figure it out. You you said something that I had not seen. You you said criticism of the broadcast. Everything I've seen has been and I am exclusively glowing. talking about you know people on social media, not just random people. I don't really follow random people, but there was a lot of they're going to commercial too much, or ESPN's mm. profiting off of this, and it's like. That they don't sell ads like YouTube does, guys. No, man. They, 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 there's the no CPM for ESPN Monday Night Football. I mean, maybe the commercials played a dual role because there was an obligation there to get some of those in. But the commercial breaks were three-minute opportunities for the people on the screen and behind the cameras and in the production cr- truck to try and huddle and figure out how to present an unprecedented situation. I thought Joe Buck was incredible. 
incredible. All of them did well, right? And, and, I mean, and, and in studio, I thought they were really good, too, with, with Susie and Adam Schefter and, and, and Booger McFarland. Um, it got to a point where... Lisa Salters was exceptional in her role last night. Yeah. It got to a point where Colbert, I forget exactly what she said, so I'm paraphrasing, was like, I, we don't know what else to say here, but we've got to fill time, so we're just going to keep talking about this, but they're not going to play football. We're not going to talk about this from a football perspective. So that's it. It was very it was very real. It's in the, the few people, and you're lucky you didn't see him because it kind of infuriated me. It's like, I don't like pulling this card because I'm critical of coaches and I haven't coached in a football game. But if you think that they could have done differently, you don't know how it works. You, you, there's, there's no way I can fathom them doing anything differently in that moment better than what they did. ESPN gets a lot of criticism. And a lot of it is justified. Extremely justified. But I think you were also reminded last night of the depth of talent that exists at ESPN with Joe Buck kind of anchoring their coverage and being able to hand it to the studio to Susie Colber, who's anchoring that piece of coverage. And then when the Monday Night Football broadcast finally gets to the point where like everybody agrees, there's nothing else we can do, what do they do? They hand it off to Scott Van Pelt who might be the single most talented person that works for ESPN and seems to have the ability to communicate with a massive audience in almost a one-on-one fashion and be real, more so than anybody else on television. Maybe that's heaping too much praise on Scott Van Pelt. I just think he is absolutely exceptional what he does, whether it's in a tough situation or he's talking to you about bad beats. You know, it kind of kind of runs the gamut of emotions. Hey, did it, it? Did you stick with it? Was was it? Com- and I ask that because you're a hard grab, right? You, you go to watch games, and then you're like, okay, there's not a game on. I'll go to soccer. I'll go to some other sporting event. I'll play a video game. W- were they able? Was it compelling enough? And did they do a good enough job that they were able to keep you? I actually didn't see any of it because I was recording my podcast. Oh. Uh, I started my podcast right as, and Robbie, Robbie said, "Oh, what did that? What just happened?" He's watching the game while he's, you know, setting up to record, and he's like, "Something just happened in the NFL game." I don't know. So I had to monitor through almost all of it through through social media. Yeah, that's where I started. I was not watching live. I was, yeah. uh, I was reading like a chapter of. Whatever Hardy Boys book we're on with Obi, we're, we're working our way through the entire Hardy Boys collection. So we read a chapter and turn off the lights and wait for him to go to sleep. And I'm scrolling through my phone and I'm like, "Wait, what? What's going on?" And then I had to kind of play catch up in terms of the coverage. And it was uh, it was an incredible night. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at SuperTalk.fm and SuperTalk TV. We'll be right back. Over me. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly.
Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Uh, th- there is a- an element of what happened last night that I would love for us to uh, to talk about just for a second, if we uh, if we may. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, Michael Borky, coming to you from the Pearl River Resort studio. We talked initially about DeMar Hamlin's in- uh, injury, uh, his medical situation, and his current state, which is that he is, at least by the most recent report available, still in the intensive care unit at the University of Cincinnati Medical Center after receiving CPR and emergency medical treatment on the field and then being transported to UC Med last night. We were talking about the coverage and the fact that that I think we all believe and most believe that Joe Buck did an incredibly good job under the circumstances. And Joe Buck was the person who relayed the information publicly that players on the field with the two teams were told that they would have five minutes to get ready and then the game would resume. It was shortly after that message was conveyed that Zach Taylor, the head coach of the Bengals, and Sean McDermott, the head coach of the Bills, convened. And then very shortly thereafter, both teams headed for the locker room. And on four different occasions during the broadcast, Joe Buck referenced the the five-minute warning, if you will, that the teams were given, the the, the warm-up period that was going to be allowed. And then much later in the night, Troy Vincent, 16 years an NFL player, and now a bunch of years as brass at the NFL. Obviously, Roger Goodell is the commissioner. But Troy Vincent kind of runs it. Uh, comes out and flatly and vehemently denies that anybody ever suggested that there was five minutes to warm up and that that message didn't come from the league, and that's so incredibly insensitive and just, just I mean, over-the-top denied it. And so you're left, and I don't know that it really matters because in the end, the NFL got it right last night. But I thought that kind of called into question Joe Buck's credibility a little bit. Joe Buck is a pro. He's been at it for a really long time. Talk about a guy that prior to this year making the move to ESPN had called two decades worth of World Series for Fox has called multiple Super Bowls for Fox, and now will call a Super Bowl eventually for ESPN and ABC. Part of the reason that ESPN and ABC got looped into the the Super Bowl rotation because they got Joe Buck and Troy Aikman. I spoke with a person today connected with the NFL. I was like, that doesn't pass this. It's like, Joe Buck's a pro. He's not just going to shoot from the hip on some random rumor that is flying from the stadium, and he referenced that that message came from the league, and he said, quote-unquote, from the league. And then the NFL, through Troy Vincent, is trying to kind of spin it after the fact. And, again, talk with somebody that's tied to the NFL earlier today, and they're like, not even the least bit surprising that the league would deny that they said that. But it wouldn't surprise me at all. In fact, it's likely 
that somebody from the league said that's how it's going to be handled. Yeah, I'd bet my car that they were told that. That doesn't mean it came from Goodell. But, and the easiest explanation would be somebody, if you want to give the NFL, NFL the benefit of the doubt, here's the benefit of the doubt you give them. Somebody on the grounds assumed that they should follow typical protocol, which would be after a player gets carted <clears throat> off the field, after an extended break, you give them five minutes and resume play. If you want to give the league the benefit of the doubt, that's where that that's the Occam's razor to me. That makes the most sense. Somebody on the ground, an official there, not necessarily a ref, but somebody who gets paid by the National Football League told them, okay, five minutes, game starts again. And that's typical protocol. Yeah. I don't think right. that's completely out of line. You don't have to stretch your, your mind to get to that conclusion while also, I mean, if you want to trust Roger Goodell, again, if you want to give them the benefit of the doubt, doesn't strike me as that as a league-wide decision when consulting with all parties and coming to a consensus conclusion. And, and there were a lot of people that kept going, why is it taking the NFL so long to cancel the game? Why is it taking them so long to postpone the game? But yet, you have to think about this. There were a lot of moving parts. Like the obvious conclusion and decision was, you can't keep playing this game. You can't ask these players on these two teams to come back out onto the field and finish this football game when they don't know about the status, life or death, from a player that was an hour earlier playing in the game. You, you, you can't ask them to do that. But at the same time, Roger even Roger Goodell doesn't really have the authority to just unilaterally say, we are going to do this. He is contractually obligated to communicate with the players' union. And so you have Roger Goodell, who's working through Troy Vincent, who's the what executive uh, executive vice president for football operations for the NFL. I think that's his official title. He's working through Troy Vincent. Some combination of Troy Vincent and Roger Goodell are having to talk to Damari Smith, who's the head of the. Is he still the head of the players' union? He is, isn't he? Maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's somebody else now. But. All, all of these things are having, these conversations are having to happen, and they have to make sure that they get it right. And so, even though there was this push, cancel it, cancel it, postpone it, you can't play, you can't play, why is it taking them so long? It's better to take a little longer than it feels like it should and get it right than hastily react, especially when there is a perception that you already, already hastily reacted once and you were roundly criticized for it. So, yeah, maybe a little bit of grace needs to be extended in their direction as well. And they made the decision sooner than the announcement came to. Again, if you want to give the NFL the benefit of the doubt, here you go. I mean, the, the, the Bills' equipment staff were clearing off their sideline, what, 20 minutes before the announcement came? Yeah. Because they knew. I, I, I was flipping through and reading a bunch of stuff like everybody was last night, and I saw somebody mention that on the police scanners, they were preparing for the crowd to leave. 
And that got me to think, you know, maybe that's in part why you don't just games canceled. Because if you are expecting as a city, as as a police department, a stadium, security, all that stuff, and you're expecting 65,000 people to be leaving this one spot at 11.15 at night, and instead, out of nowhere, it's 8.45 at night, that changes things. You know, logistically, maybe they, they had to do other things to, to get people in place to ensure that you could have the mass exodus before it happened. You could clearly tell when they were showing the camera shots in the tunnel and the Bills equipment staff and all that, that the decision was made before they actually announced it. And like you, sure. and, and I, I need to spend less time on social media. I say that way too much for somebody that spends <laughs> too much time on social media. But And yet. But these are people that like work in our business that were like, this is ridiculous, what's taking them so long? And it's like, guys, you just saw the Bills equipment staff t- breaking everything down. The decision's been made. I mean, what else do you Somebody need to see? Somebody had to build that graphic that they tweeted out. That right. doesn't happen. Well, what else do you need to see? I mean, the game has been canceled. They're not going to play anymore. So just, you know, it, 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 the NFL deserves criticism for a lot of things. But and after, it's a really big business, right, Borky? So whoever craft, somebody had to craft that statement, and then they had to run it by legal before they put it out. Yeah. The NFL's not putting a statement out without their legal representation carefully looking at what they say and having multiple people put eyeballs on that statement and approve it. It just takes a bit. The the idea that just do this and figure it out later doesn't exactly work when when there are as many moving parts as there are. May, they, they could have been more transparent. I don't know. I mean, they, they could have done things differently. I'm sure they are going to try to do better i suppose but the all of the signs were in front of people for a long time and they continued to criticize it when i i was i was kind of like pulling my hair like guys it's over the, the game, they're not playing anymore it is over it's over relax go back to thinking about the real reason this is happening i mean you could tell as lisa salters was talking and joe buck was asking questions and was kind of outlining what was happening he finally got to the point where it's like you know, if you're connecting the dots, it really doesn't appear as if any more football is going to happen tonight. And yet, we will wait until we get an official word from the NFL. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. We've got much, much more to get to with you this afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad in the Pearl River Resort Studios. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to back to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, hour number one with you on this Tuesday afternoon, the 3rd of January. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky. We've got basketball tonight in the Southeastern Conference. Four games, and it gets started with Mississippi State 
taking on the Tennessee Volunteers in Knoxville. That game tips off at 6 o'clock tonight, on the road against Tom at uh, Thompson Bowling. Difficult place to play, and it's a place that has become more and more difficult over the last, uh, I guess, 10 or 15 years, right? I mean, so Thompson Bowling was a cave for a long time, just a big, mostly empty building where it felt like they, they overbuilt and were underfilling. Then Bruce Pearl really got him going. It fell back a little bit, and then Rick Barnes, is uh, he's just put good teams on the floor. It's a really difficult place to play. Tennessee a 10-point favorite in this game tonight against uh, Mississippi State. Both of them 11-2. and two. Tennessee 1-0 in the SEC after winning against Ole Miss on the road uh, last Wednesday and uh, Mississippi State dropping its SEC opener last Wednesday night at home to Alabama. Hey, Dad, when you look at Mississippi State's schedule, there's no reason to panic if the Bulldogs lose this game tonight. But you start 0-2 in the league, and you've dug yourself a a hole, no doubt. Yeah, and, and you, you know, play two top ten teams right off the bat. It's tough, you know. It's I, we talked about it yesterday for a second. It's really weird that State and Ole Miss are playing the same two teams in the first week, and then they play each other. You know, when you look at the SEC, it is there's a clear division of haves and haves nots this year. You know, you've got some. You've got what I think six teams are in the top forty of the net, and then you've got I think five or six that are sub ninety. Or sub eighty in the in the nets. I think that's correct. And then you've got some guys in the middle, like LSU and Florida. But for state, when I look at their schedule, I divide it up between the haves and the have-nots. State needs to find a win, maybe just one, maybe just one against the haves, and then they got to win their games against the have-nots. Uh, so you know, if they can get a win tonight, that's great. But like you said, I, I, it's not panic time. For a two, you know, be a three-game losing streak. It, I still don't think it's panic time or anything like that. They're still what thirty-seventh in the net. They're playing the number three team on the road tonight, so that's not going to drop much if if at all. But this Saturday, that's the big game. You you, you can't go zero and three. You can't lose all your momentum. You can't lose the first game to Ole Miss. That's the, that's the old Howland way. You got to change that up and, and get a win over the Rebels on Saturday. Lost by six to Drake in the final game before the Christmas break. Came back and lost by 11 at home to Alabama. At Tennessee tonight, home against Mississippi uh, against Ole Miss on Saturday. Game that's on CBS on Saturday. <laughs> What'd you call? I started to say Mississippi State, Mississippi State. And, and <laughs> Ole Miss is okay. not Mississippi State. I was not going down the Jackie Sherrill road of calling them Mississippi State. I was wondering, you know, Jackie would be proud of you. Uh and after the Ole Miss game, back-to-back road games. Now, yeah. one of them very winnable in Georgia. Right. The other one really difficult place to play going on the road against Auburn. Night game mm-hmm. on the road against yeah. Auburn. So, so can you be two and three after five? If you are, I feel like you're in good shape. That. And that's, you know, if you're two and three... And you've shown that you can win a couple conference games. It's just about being competitive in these games. I thought I didn't. I don't like moral victories, but I thought State played well enough against Alabama to give me hope they can play well enough to maybe beat a Tennessee and Arkansas, uh, 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 Kentucky down the road. We'll see. Yeah. Um, in Tuscaloosa tonight, Ole Miss and Alabama will play the late game on the <clears throat> SEC Network. That one tips off at eight o'clock. 
and this is game two of that daunting start to league play that Ole Miss is dealing with. Right? They opened at home with Tennessee and played well enough to win, except for the fact that they went 11 minutes in the second half without making a field goal. And then another three. So it's hard to win when you do that, I think is the point. And it's hard to win when maybe your best player, Matthew Morrell, hits one shot in the game. Yeah. You, you, you can't have those things happen if you expect to win. And so now you have to go on the road and face Alabama, who is a 12-point favorite and has the ability to absolutely light up the scoreboard. I don't know how Ole Miss scores to keep pace. That's the thing. If Alabama's shooting well, especially from the outside, uh, I mean, you're sunk. It's they, They've got to show signs of life at, at a bare minimum, but because of what they did in the non-conference, which is nothing, um, I mean, everybody knows where the line is drawn, right? Everybody knows the deal. We, we don't need to hammer it into the ground. It is quite obvious. If things are going to be salvaged, you don't have to win tonight, but you got to win a handful of these games against teams that are better than you, games that you shouldn't win if you're going to cross the line. It's really that simple. So Ole Miss at Alabama tonight where Bama's a 12-point favorite, then they go to Starkville on Saturday, and then they host Auburn. Mm. Four o'clock hour. David Cobb from CBS joins us now. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here, Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Four o'clock hour, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and of course on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. It is time for us for the first time in 2023 to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau, our friend David Cobb from CBS Sports. He's batting leadoff for the year. David, what's up, my man? Happy New Year. I had no idea. I'm honored. So when Borky texted me and presented me with uh, two time uh, options earlier, I'm glad I chose this one so I can be uh, be the leadoff man. You know, no pressure or anything. And, and it's not like we laid around and didn't do anything yesterday. We were just no guests yesterday. There was so much football to talk about, and that's what I want to talk to you about primarily as well. And what a treat this weekend was in terms of the college football playoff semifinals. Maybe punched a few holes in those people that are like, you know, blowouts only. We can't go to a 12-team playoff. I, I, I don't know. Maybe we don't even need to revel in that. Maybe we just need to revel in the glorious day that we had on Saturday with Michigan TCU and then Georgia-Ohio State. It was amazing. By far the best slate of college football playoff semifinals that we've had. I, you know, I, I didn't have the courage to pick TCU straight up. I picked them against the spread. I knew they would keep it closer against Michigan than, than people expected, but I just didn't have the courage to go all the way and say, hey, they would win straight up. And you know what? That's who they've been all year. They've been underdogs on numerous occasions now and have uh, found a way to get it done. And uh, just insane, insane game. And then Georgia, I mean, honestly, I didn't think Georgia played very well until the last 10 minutes of that game and and that was that was enough 
And I, just, I feel so bad for, for C.J. Stroud, honestly. Uh, it's hard to feel bad for Ohio State as a program. Uh, <laughs> they're a, a, an advantaged program, a privileged program, if you want to put it that way. But I do feel bad for C.J. Stroud because you know, the fact that, that he and Bryce Young are going to leave college football without a single national title between them is just stunning. Uh, and the fact is, you know, here we are with Stetson Bennett on the cusp of winning two uh, as a player who's, you know, perhaps not quite nearly as talented as those guys. That's, that's wild to me. Uh, but, but man, what a day. What, what, a, what a day. It was, it was fantastic. It really is incredible what you said. And I actually hadn't thought about that. Neither C.J. Stroud nor Bryce Young is going to win a national champion as a quarterback in college football at two blue blood programs that are used to winning and winning at a really big clip. And maybe even more stunning that there are people that like Will Levis more than either of those two when it comes to the NFL draft. <laughs> Don't figure that. Yeah, yeah, Borky had a good tweet on that that I uh, I retweeted the other night. It's ridiculous. I just don't get it. Like what the infatuation is with Will Levis, and that's a rabbit hole that I could go down. And you might not get me back from that, but yeah, it, uh, in terms of quarterback play, it is it is wild that those two are going to go down without national titles. And may, let me be clear, by no fault of their own. I mean, C.J. Stroud was magnificent in that game, and. Bryce Young was phenomenal all year long and I think uh, just defended his Heisman Trophy as well as he could, you know, given the circumstances. And yet here we are with uh, Max Duggan, who was benched to start the season, going up against Stetson Bennett, uh, a former walk-on and Juco guy uh, in the national title. We didn't really explore this yesterday, but I did just throw it out there as something to ponder. Given what we've seen from Georgia's defense in the last two games, they give up 41 to Ohio State, and they're a field goal from being at home watching the national championship game that you know kind of got snapped left. And LSU with 500 yards passing, and I, I know it was a lot of it was irrelevant yards in the SEC championship game, but it happened. I mean, we we saw it with our own eyes. Are we crazy if we're not closely looking at TCU and what TCU has done offensively, and believing that okay, this TCU team? is going to score, and therefore 13 is a lot of points in the championship game. Yeah, that's a big ask for the uh, Georgia offense, uh, potentially. Look, TCU averaged over six yards per carry against Michigan, and that's with Kendra Miller, their their star running back, missing a, a large portion of that game due to injury. And they've got depth at that position. Uh, DeMarcado was you know, phenomenal filling in. At the end of the day, though, the TCU offense is stout. They don't have many holes. I mean, Quentin Johnson, I think, is one of the best wide receivers in the country. He might be the best wide receiver in the country. He was banged up for, for a large p- part of this season. Uh, and you know, maybe Marvin Harrison Jr. and uh, Jalen Hyatt and those guys cleaned up a little better in the in the ho- uh, postseason hardware. But if you're talking about NFL draft prospect and just you know game-changing wide receiver, Quentin Johnson's right there. So, this TCU offense is legit. You're right. There's some holes in that Georgia defense. Uh, Georgia's defense really wasn't tested a whole lot during the regular season. And Ohio State passed the ball quite quite effectively uh, against them for most of that game. David, so I'm not going to ask you to take into account the, the Gasparilla Bowl or the New Mexico Bowl or the Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl, but going from – Wednesday or Thursday for I'd say let's start Wednesday because that's when we had the crazy game with Arkansas Kansas that was Texas Tech's win over Ole Miss that through the end of the Rose Bowl yesterday what letter grade would you give to bowl season for those games 
Uh, I'd give it an, a solid A minus. Uh, there were some duds in there, like, but the, honestly, the one that put it over the top for me is, is the the Cotton Bowl yesterday and Tulane storming back uh, from a 15 point deficit in the final four minutes of the game to beat USC. Just a, an absurd comeback for that team and what a turnaround for the program i mean we talked all year about the turnaround the usc made and rightfully so it was really impressive to go from four and eight to 11 wins under lincoln riley in year one but Tulane, man to go from two and ten uh to cotton bowl champions uh, as a group of five program that really didn't have much recent history to draw upon unreal unreal job there and, and you got to wonder too this is an overlooked aspect i think of Tulane winning that game yesterday if Willie Fritz takes the Georgia Tech job, yeah. I don't think there's any way that Tulane pulls that off and beats USC. And so that's a, a, a little minute storyline, right? Like, you know what? He could have gone on to Georgia Tech and, and taken that Power 5 job at age 63 in the twilight of his career, the pinnacle of the sport for some coaches. But he chose to stay back and coach uh, Tulane for that last game and and. Honestly, I feel like in the long run, he's going to look back on that decision with a lot of pride uh, because he elevated Tulane football to heights it hadn't seen since before World War II. And when you get storylines like that in college football, uh, to me, it overrides some of the the duds or less less exciting games. You know, the 63-7 to LSU yeah. over Purdue game, that uh, wasn't much fun to watch. Uh, the I, I underdogs suppose that this year. and Iowa-Kentucky, you, when you take in those two games, it's impossible to give it an A+. Uh, I might even go solid A and not even put the minus out there. I want to pose a question to you that comes from Chase in Columbus. He goes, my sports New Year's resolution is to stop explaining my negative views on playoff expansion. Instead, I pose a question. Take this example. Depending on seeding, you could very reasonably have had three, if not four, SEC teams in the Final Four. How many years of the SEC getting three into the Final Four until everyone starts banging the drum for the next thing? We're talking about after the 12-team playoff. And when they do, what will that next thing be? Look, I don't know that the SEC is going to be just so hands down dominant in this thing like like he expects uh, this year in particular after after Georgia, I don't know. I don't know that there was another team in the SEC this year that was better than Michigan. That would I, no, that would no, be he's saying, he's, But he's, he's saying in a 12 team playoff where you play your way through that bracket and you end up with a final four that includes three or four, based on what we saw in the bowl games. I mean, right? So Georgia might advance. Uh, we could see Alabama advancing. We could see LSU advancing. Maybe you end up with three out of a 12-team playoff. Yeah. Well, honestly, I think the road to get there is going to make it entertaining enough, right? Like the SEC has been fairly dominant during the four-team era. Uh, we're expanding it to 12 and at least giving teams a chance, right? Because I think the complaint a lot of times with that four-team a bracket or, or format has been that the SEC gets the benefit of the doubt and the SEC gets more teams in than maybe it should uh, sometimes. And then maybe we ought to be looking harder at a TCU, a Cincinnati, uh, giving a team like Tulane a shot. At least there's going to be opportunity now uh, for, for some of these other programs to show us what they can do. And look, there's more parity, I think, right now in college football than there has been 
uh, in the last 10 years. You you go back to last season, Cincinnati reaches the playoff as a group of five team. Uh, we see Tulane break through for a huge bowl victory this season. And TCU, the ultimate Cinderella, reaching the national title game. So I don't think the SEC is going anywhere, but the Alabama dynasty is over. And Georgia might be stepping in to, to fill those shoes. Uh, but I think the 12-team playoff, my opinion, on the whole, is that it'll be good for the sport because there's going to be more access. Pac-12 is going to be in. The group of five is, is going to be in. Uh, and then, you know, uh, whoever the Big 12 and ACC produce, we'll see. Uh, but if it was a year like this, hey, TCU's uh, playing for the national title. 20 seconds left. Are you ready to say that the Big 12 is going to be fine? Even yeah, well, it's Texas gonna be- and OU? It's going to be great from a basketball standpoint, and I'm sure we'll get into that over the coming weeks. Uh, it ain't going to drop off a bit on the on the hoop side. Football is still going to be a really compelling league because the teams they're adding are good, fun football programs. The Big 12 was the best league to watch this year, and I don't think that'll change, even if they drop off from a competitive standpoint just a bit. David Cobb from CBS Sports. Always enjoyed the conversation. Thanks for your time. Happy New Year. No problem. Happy New Year. Right back. David Cobb joining us on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome again, Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks as always for being with us in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Two 18-hole championship golf courses. You can book your tee time or plan your trip online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, C Spire text line open to you. 601 879 4395. 601 879 Four three nine five. We get an LOL. The Alabama dynasty is over. What a naive moron that guy is. Yeah, that guy is. When they finish outside the top ten next year, then I will agree with him. Always nice to hear from our our good friend there. A naive moron. It's a little harsh. I mean, it's a little harsh. It's a little harsh. I will agree that the, the, the overriding point that I'm not when Alabama finishes a year nine and four, I'll start talking about them their dynasty being over. Just won eleven, you know, 11 and two. I, I, I'm going to stay on the board that they can probably recover from that. I am ready to declare Clemson though. Oh, buddy, I've been waiting for this. I'm closer on that. I'm closer on that. They lost to all three of their non-ACC Power Five opponents. By the way, late winter, whoever that South Carolina fan was that put the the, the banner over the uh, the stadium <laughs> with the plane saying, well, enjoy your bowl games from the Gamecocks. The Tennessee and Clemson. Yeah, Tennessee. Yeah, That's the kind of petty I, I aspire to. Good, good job, guys. Yeah, you're big on petty, aren't you? Love it. Love the smoke. Um, Just not on my lasagna. What did you think about Chase's question? When we get to um, when we get to the twelve team playoff, and you end up a couple of years in a row with 
three SEC teams in the Final Four. That happens. It shakes out that way. Could happen. How are people going to uh, react? They've got no leg to stand on, though. That's the thing. That's why, and Chase, I appreciate your resolution, because it's welcome. We love you. He is devout in his beliefs. but, But it is a welcome resolution. However, when you have an expanded playoff and more games are played, and the winner of every conference, or the top six conferences, gets in, and the SEC dominates, your excuses are gone. Because it's not some arbitrary measure. There is a set criteria, right? The ACC champion is going to get in. And if they lose, you have no... There's no leg to stand on. There's no grounding. There's no foundation. It's... It's not an access question anymore. You're going to line up and kick the football off, and the best team's going to win. So if it's three SEC teams on a semi-regular basis that make the Final Four, it's because they beat Clemson or Florida State. Miami, it feels like they're not going to get there, but maybe Miami. It means they beat Penn State or Michigan if they can maintain after Harbaugh leaves for the NFL or Ohio State or USC or Oregon. It means they're winning those games. It, it, it doesn't mean that a bunch of empty suits in a committee room chose the SEC teams there. So if people are complaining about it, it's just because they're lacking, and that's the only reason. I think we have an emergency text we need to read. Emergency. 601-879-4395. Anytime a text to our radio program... Begins with, good morning from Tokyo. (laughs) I don't care what the rest of it uh, says. We're going to stop and we're going to pay homage or homage to to the texter. Shout out to the Super Talk app for working flawlessly in Japan. Hey, Dad, I'm going to Wrestle Kingdom. Fly over real quick and join me. You think I can get that approved as an expense? What is Wrestle Kingdom? Tran- uh, it's a gigantic Japanese... It's the Japanese version of WrestleMania. Oh. Is this something you aspire to do one time? I wouldn't mind going this year, Will Ospreay versus Kenny Omega. That's going to be an awesome main event. Is it on your bucket list, your sports bucket list? <laughs> nah, nah, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that. Uh, WrestleMania is, but I wouldn't say Wrestle Kingdom is. How many I would people go, though. I mean, will be in attendance at Wrestle Kingdom? Oh goodness, let me see how big the arena is. I'm sure. I'm assuming it's at the Tokyo Dome, um, which is where they play baseball. Oh, That's where Thunder Sticks were like right. kind of created. Right. Uh, what is the attend- What is the says it can it can hold anywhere from forty two to fifty five thousand for okay, events. I'm a little so disappointed that Hayden didn't know the answer to that. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I, okay. I don't know how much Yankee Stadium holds off the top of my head either, but uh, you know, I'm just saying. About 50. Okay. 50, 50, About 50. 50. Yeah. Great. Uh, yeah, so good for, for it. The, uh, thanks for the text on the Seaspire text line from Tokyo. Awesome. So that what is, time is it there? I don't know. He said good morning. Mike in Oxford wants to know if it's sumo wrestling. <laughs> it is not. 7:30 in the morning in Tokyo right now. Uh tomorrow. Yeah. There you go. That's uh, that's that's right. Awesome. It's it, yeah. It's 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 Wednesday there. Yeah. Uh, Seven thirty, January fourth in Tokyo. Beautiful. Yeah. I, I've seen 
some of the uh, the accommodations on those cross-world flights that some of these airlines offer now. Yeah. You, you've got some, and of course it's like the Saudis, right? The Fly Emirates or whatever that, that's owned by all these oil funds. But there is a first-class ticket when you fly across the world that gives you the option of two different types of shower while you're flying. What are the two types? Why not? I don't, I, I mean, I didn't it was video I was watching. The guy picked one of the two, so like I didn't know what the other one versus was. Steam shower. Yes. Or? I mean, and in like like the movie catalog. Alone is versus help. What's going on I mean, here? He ate yeah. a steak. He had bottles of champagne. He was fed like six meals during the flight and was given a book. I mean, just the most. I mean, it, he said it was like twenty-seven thousand dollars. I could have bought a car for the price, but, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> But still, I, I was gonna ask. I, I was gonna even Google what a first class ticket to uh, Tokyo uh, cost. That being said, like I, I'm firmly of the belief in the coming weeks that Southwest is gonna start offering flights like twenty bucks. Just, just get you back on the plane. It's like we're sorry here. American Airlines, Jackson, Mississippi to Tokyo, first class, twenty six thousand hmm? nine hundred seventy nine dollars. Whew. That's uh, Jackson how, to Dallas, how, how long a flight Dallas is that? to LAX, LAX to Haneda Airport. Uh, let's see here. Hour 47, Jackson wow. to Dallas, 3.32, Dallas to, L- uh, to LA, 11 hours and 50 minutes from Los Angeles to Tokyo. It's like 15 hours total, 16 uh, hours, something like that. Our friend says he didn't have a first-class ticket. What do you do for 12 hours in a normal seat? Squirm. You listen to podcasts. Yeah. Like I can I, spend. I, there's no way. There's no way the plane was packed. No, there's no way. I, I, I'm not believing that the the flight from to Los Tokyo Angeles was to Tokyo. I bet it was. Oh, I Los bet Angeles. Every seat yeah, was full. You might be right. But every seat. Now, if you were going direct from Jackson to Tokyo, no, I would not think that it would be packed. You can't do right. There's no 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 plane can fly that long. They can't hold that. They don't have that hold that much fuel. Only Air Force One could do something like that. Right. You can't fly yeah, across, can, basically across the, the continental United States and then across the Pacific Ocean. There's no plane that's doing that. Hopefully you pulled a Russell Wilson and did high knees in the uh, in the aisle. <laughs> just a stretch. Just, just a little calisthenics in, you know? Yeah. I think I would lose my mind on a 12-hour flight. You, sl- you sleep, you play Elden Ring, and you read a book. That's a good point. Hmm. You definitely from, sleep. You're, you're going to get some sleep. Here we go. Kenny and Wesson says he flew from the Mississippi Gulf Coast to Kuwait, and that was a 23-hour flight. Oh, my gosh. I mean... I, a full day in the plane. So if you, flew, if you flew there, I assume it was in a military capacity. So it was, there was not a first-class yeah. lie-flat option. <laughs> there, there's no champagne dinner that comes with that flight, I don't think. What do you do for 24 hours on an airplane? Uh, here we go. I flew to Sydney, Australia from Los Angeles. It was a miserable 15 hours, fully packed except for about five seats, no sleep at all. I got up and walked around once an hour. Mm. Here's one. Uh, we will never go back to Hawaii. I flew from Atlanta to Hawaii, 10 hours, no stops. That's, a, that's the downside about Hawaii, man. We've got the Bahamas four hours away. We're going to fly 10 hours to Hawaii and then take 
a day and a half to adjust to the time change? Here we go. Uh, to Qatar, the plane flight includes pajamas and perfume. It was so cool. I can do it at Walmart. I mean, what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> Dwayne and Brandon, first cross plane comment in 2023. Will cross one make it all the way? <laughs> um, it can refuel in the yes, air, too. It's like yes, absolutely one. it will. Why not? Sure. A G700 is bad to the bone. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalktv.com. Ten longest nonstop commercial flights in the world, if you are curious. Singapore to New York on Singapore Airlines, 9,537 miles. That's to JFK. Singapore to Newark is 14 miles shorter, 18 hours and 50 minutes. Perth to London. Qantas Air, that's 9,010 miles. Melbourne to Dallas. Auckland in New Zealand to JFK in New York. Dubai to Auckland is 8,824 miles on Emirates Air. Singapore to LAX. Air India. Bangalore to San Francisco is 8,700 miles. Uh, Houston to Sydney. Okay, good to know. By the way, I did look up the Singapore Air First Class Cabin. Orky, they offer suites. You can get a reclining chair and a uh, a single bed, or there's a, uh, a double occupancy suite that is available as well. So you and your significant other can have uh, matching recliners on either side of the bed with uh, what appears to be like a uh, full-size bed in there as well. It's just money, right? Wow. Oh, it is. Wow. Who can afford that? Save your jokes, hey, Dad. People who that, can afford that? The, the people whose yeah, triple great-grandfather dug a hole in the right spot on a piece of land? That, that's who. Okay. Maybe so. Um, I that. So, not beating around the bush on this question on the ceasefire text line, So, is Art Bryles coming to Mississippi State? Hey, Dad. (laughs) That's from Cody in South Carolina. And confirm. Yes, Cody listening in South Carolina. Kendall Bryles to State? Question mark? Question mark? Question mark? Did he he say Kendall or did he say Art? No, he said Kendall. Did I say Art? Oh, you said Art. Oh, man. You said Art. That would have made it a lot better. That would yeah, have made my, my, my response a lot better. And here's that uh, answer. Kendall no, Miles. Art will not be joining the staff at Mississippi State. Art, Art's not coming Art to Mississippi not. State, nor nor any other staffs. 
for that matter. Um, uh, yes, Kendall <clears throat> Bryles. Kendall. Kendall Bryles. Maybe. A lot, a lot of smoke, to, as, as uh, Richard called it earlier today, to use some message board vernacular. Uh, there's a lot of smoke around Kendall Bryles' name. Uh, I, I, I know there have been discussions between Arnett and Bryles. I think that Arnett considers Bryles one of the better offensive coordinators in the conference guy that he himself had trouble game planning for. So that makes him interesting to him. I believe they've made a substantial offer to Kendall Bryles, and now the ball's just in his court, and we'll find out in the next day or so uh, if he wants to, to leave Arkansas and come to Starkville or if he wants to stay put. So you do believe it is that close? It is It is as simple as, is Kendall Bryles I'm, going to say yes? I believe that's correct, yes. Ooh. Brian Haydad reporting that Mississippi State has offered Kendall Bryles the offensive coordinator job, and they are waiting uh, on a response you, from him. You know that nobody gets offered unless they take the job. That's how that works. Yes, I am aware that that is, that that is uh, how the uh, how it works. Um, Very interesting, though, right? Because it it speaks to direction. Very interesting. Or 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 desired direction, right? And it, and it leads to a lot of questions. Uh, one not related to Mississippi State. What the heck is happening in Arkansas? Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think that uh, with with Recent records, what tells you that Arkansas is a better place to coach than Mississippi State? Because Mississippi State kind of beats up on Arkansas. But you would nobody would argue against them being on what you would consider an equal plane. Arkansas fans would say, oh, way better job. Not even close. Not anywhere close, even though, again, the recent records say otherwise. But aside from them, similar tier. Going from OC at one of those schools to the other... It's an interesting jump, right? It, it doesn't really add up unless you're getting away from something. So what the heck is happening at Arkansas that you want to get away from? I don't entirely agree with what you're saying. I think there are lots of reasons that guys move. And sometimes it's just resume building. right? If, if you don't think you're going to jump to a head coaching job directly from the spot you're in, and you think you can go and prove yourself at another place, maybe it better prepares you to get a job offer to be a head coach? Going going from Arkansas to Mississippi State for the exact same position is going to make you more likely to be a head coach somewhere? I will say that from a uh, from another smoke standpoint, that the, the, that it's, it's being, rep- not reported, but it's being rumored that Arnett has offered... Bryles the same deal that Arnett had with Leach in that I'm going to leave you alone. You'll be in control of the offense. I won't question any of your play calls. Put everything together, and and it's all yours. And that maybe while he's in Arkansas working for a guy who's an offensive coach himself in Sam Pittman, he doesn't have that kind of freedom, and maybe he values that. Well, that would be a mistake on Pittman's part. And a, that and a raise, I mean, that's might may, may be enough to you know get you get you out the door. So that aside. For Mississippi State, it speaks to direction, doesn't it? Uh, of of what Zach Arnett wants his team to do. What Arkansas does, whether it's because of personnel or otherwise, but the way they've recruited the position tells you it's kind of what they want to do. They're more physical. By the way, Kendall Bryles in 2021 made $1.1 million at Arkansas. 
I'm sorry, I, I derailed your thought about direction. It's quite all right, but that's that's part of the benefit for having a head coach with such, with such a small salary. You don't feel like you're breaking the bank on an OC if you pay premium dollar for him because you don't have you know eleven figures sunk into your football coach or your head coach. You you can more comfortably pay for an OC higher than you usually would. You could pay Bryles $2 million a year, and you're paying your head coach and your OC what you were paying your head coach last season. Yeah. So Arkansas was really physical, or have been for the last couple of years. What does that say about Will Rogers? What would his future be at Mississippi State? Does Kendall Bryles look at him as a guy that, that he can win with? Or would the Mississippi native at Arkansas maybe transfer with him? I mean, there are so many questions that follow a hiring of Kendall Bryles makes it fascinating if it materializes. One point two million is what he was making last year. I, I, you don't have to. Do you have to pay him two million dollars? No, you, you don't have, have to. The, I'm just. I'm just. You have the ability to. I was do doing so the math. I'm just. Yeah, I was no. just giving you the math there. Um. So Kendall Bryles would bring an offense that is far more diverse than what Mike Leach was running, but very much has air raid principles, air raid concept, uh, concepts within it, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, he's running a yeah. version of what Baylor was running, which was air raid with a stout running game when they really had it rolling. Um. I think there's another really significant question that you ask. KJ Jefferson? Yeah, that's the next question people are going to ask. Yeah, that was the Mississippi native I was referencing. Yes, I don't mind calling him my name. (laughs) Does KJ come come with? Is it a package deal? I don't know the answer to that. You know, I mean, you're talking about two of the top quarterbacks returning in the SEC next year with Rodgers and and Jefferson. How, how, how do you you know one of them? If I would tell you that if, if KJ was coming, that that Will Rogers is probably leaving, you know, because I don't think you bring in KJ and tell him you're going to compete with Will Rogers. Um, so I don't know. That, that's a that's a that's that's a good question uh, that would be answered probably pretty quickly after a, a hire was made. I would imagine. I think Browse is the kind of guy though who can work his offense around what he has. So if he comes in and he wants to, to work with Will Rogers, he can make the offense work around Will Rogers. Is this a hire that would excite Mississippi State fans? <sighs> I think so. I mean, you're, you're plucking a, a, a big name guy from one of your conference rivals. You, you're going to pay him a, what appears to be a big salary. So you're showing a commitment to winning. I think so. That was trying a very, to win, that was a say. very tepid response to that question. Well, I mean, you just don't ever know. Okay, you know? so maybe the better question is, what would excite Mississippi State fans? Because uh, Jeff and Grenada says, no, not excited about the idea of Kendall Bryles. Well, then I I don't know. You know, if you if you want to stay with the air raid family, you know, would Garrett Riley excite you? But I don't, I don't see that happening. I don't see him leaving TCU. 
Yeah, so, I saw State fans I, talking I, about know, Texas Jeff Tech's Kittley, coordinator. You know, yeah, he's not leaving his alma mater. He's leaving. Yeah, he he would only leave to be a head coach, I think. So Seth Luttrell was a name that was exciting people a few weeks ago, but he, I don't think he's in the running anymore. Sports Talk Mississippi will wrap up the 4 o'clock hour with you when we come back in the Pearl River Resort Studios. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Your responses on the ceasefire text line. Um, in terms of whether or not you would be for the idea of Kendall Bryles, we get mo- one message that says, I'm for whatever kills the air raid, period. Oh, wow. Hunter in Columbus says, I think it would be an awesome hire. I think Bryles could absolutely put up yards with State's roster. Obviously still add some playmakers and O-line depth through the portal if you can, but I think Bryles would be a great fit. The defense will be so good that if the offense does get off to a slow start, I think that State could overcome it. Here's one. I would absolutely be excited about Bryles. If you're not excited about him, then your standards are so high that that you can't be impressed. They're too high. Uh, Like Haydad said earlier, poaching the offensive coordinator from Arkansas would not excite you? Of all the things that have gone wrong at Arkansas, which, by the way... Blind squirrel finding a nut every so often. I knew that after the first year, that people were overly praising Sam Pittman. It's not quite as good. Something's off. Turns out almost 30 guys in the portal losing both coordinators. Things are kind of at a crossroads in Fayetteville right now, and, to say the least. consecutive years where they've had a bunch of guys enter the portal. Yeah. Lost some staff members last year as well under weird circumstances. What about uh, what about this note? Yes, would be excited about Kendall Bryles. Also, might add Chad Bumpus as a receivers coach. Seen that floating around there. Mm-hmm. You like that idea? Oh, that's a great idea. We'll see if it happens. Do you think there is an offer there as well? Maybe. As we're talking about this, there's another Arkansas player hitting the portal. Let's make I that mean, 29. Just, it's like another the Junction spot. boys in Fayetteville right now. They're just they're just getting on the bus and getting out of town. Uh, another response is, yes, Browse would definitely excite me. I, I'm sorry, we're going to have to go back to the previous, hey, Dad, if you're watching on Super Talk TV, you saw his response. You kind of got big-eyed and got a sly grin on your face when Chad Bumpus's name was mentioned as a possible wide receivers coach at Mississippi State. Me? Yes, I did. You, you did. Oh, I don't know. I don't know what that's about. How quickly do you think that happens? Well, if they offered him the job, I think it would be pretty quick. I mean, he talk about a guy who would like to come home, would like to get back in the SEC. You know, they they reached out to him last year. 
uh, but they they offered him the running backs job, and he he was not willing to take that job. He wanted to coach receivers. That's where he's been coaching his entire career. That's what he knows. Uh, my 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 thoughts on this is he would be offered the receiver job, which I believe will just be. I mentioned this yesterday. There will be one receivers coach. There will not be inside and outside. Drew Hollingshead had already announced that he's out uh, today. Who was the inside receivers coach? I expect Spurrier to follow him pretty quickly and, and, and being out. Um, and there'll just be one guy, so it'll be his room. Whoever takes it over. Chad Bumpus, thirty-three years old, Tupelo native. Obviously a really good player at Mississippi State uh, and has done a good job at Utah working with their wide receivers and recruiting. If, If you look at Utah's roster, and frankly, if you look at their recruiting class, you're like, uh, what's up with the Mississippi kids on the, uh, on the, the roster? And you're like, oh, well, oh yeah, that, that makes a whole lot more sense. Uh, it really makes a lot of sense. I mean, Chad Bumpus has come to his his old stomping grounds, the state of Mississippi, and uh, he has mm-hmm. gotten guys uh, and is continuing to recruit guys. I mean, Oxford High School quarterback yeah. uh, Mac Howard. Let's say went into Oxford and, and got you know, and of course he was at Heritage before here in in, uh, in this area in the Golden Triangle. But yeah, top quarterback in the state last year went in and got him. Yeah. So um, we'll see. We'll, we'll see where that goes. What do you think the timetable, hey, Dad, on on this stuff is? And 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 I don't mean Chad Bumpus specifically. I don't mean Kendall Bryant right. specifically. We're in a dead period. Mississippi State got home from its bowl game yesterday. Zach Arnett. I don't know. Maybe he's got to move offices. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe once you get to be the head coach, I'm sure someone does, does that, that for you. For but... you. But I mean, there's yeah, like a—he's got to figure out well, how to run a program got, now. And you've got you know transfer portal guys still visiting and and making decisions. You've got to get this done relatively quickly. So I would imagine by the end of the week, you'd like to have some 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 clarity, especially at the offensive coordinator position. I think I think there are a couple of transfers who are just waiting out the decision and to see how it goes and see who Mississippi State hires and if they, they gets the guy they want, they're gonna they're gonna make that call. Do um, was there a little pushback from Arkansas's offensive players this year with Bryles? I, I don't know. Not in the games that I watched. I mean, there was reportedly some pushback from the head coach about what quarterback they need to play when Jefferson got hurt. Mm. Mike tells us that Bryles was offered yesterday and that he said he needed 48 hours to make up his mind. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices. Plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoons starting at 3 on supertalk.fm. The Super Talk Mississippi app. And always live on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. One guess what this text means. It comes in on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Borky, you, you get to be the one that guesses. February 17th, super excited, checking off the days. Four, 
Turkey. College baseball. Yeah, you got it. You sound so excited well, here's, too. Here's the thing, though. Yeah, For, football's over now, at least for us. And the Saints got eliminated from the playoffs, but uh, local media sure beating that drum of a great win in Philly because that mattered so much. Awesome, great win over a backup quarterback. By the way, Philadelphia sports fans are the worst sports fans in America. They were they were thirteen and two, okay, thirteen and two in the second quarter with a backup quarterback booing their own team loudly and proudly. Worst fans at booing your 13-2 team because a backup quarterback wasn't playing well is just... And then they spin it as they're just smarter. That's what smart fans do. No, that's what meatheads do, and that's what all of you are. I'm going to have to go with the dissenting opinion here, Borky. You can't be the worst fans in sports when you show up. Worst fans in sports are the ones that, you know... Yeah, don't true. show up. They show up in droves. They do I show mean, up. They love their Eagles in Philly. So, then what would be a better adjective? Because I think that's garbage, man. I mean, I know you pay considerate meatball. They're just a bunch of most ruthless. Yeah, I mean it's it's insane. Cheese steaks. I remember not too long ago when your franchise was pathetic. Enjoy your 13-2 and team. I'm sorry the backup isn't as good as the starter. The starter won the Heisman Trophy, okay? I mean, come on. There's good. No, he didn't. He went to the Heisman ceremony. He never won. Yes, yes. But, anyway. So football's over for us. Insert the Boo Santa Claus reference here. The, the Saints are over. I, I, if you want to talk college baseball, then fine. Uh, what's 28 plus 17? 45 days until 45. opening day. Yeah. Who's on the uh, who's the opening day games for us oh, around gosh. here? State has should, a terrible team to start. Ole Miss got a kind of a tough non-conference schedule What's this your year. Big Ten flavor on that one. State, I remember that. State has a tough non-conference schedule, but the first weekend is not tough, or at least it shouldn't be. Well, no, well, yeah, it's a VMI. Ooh, well, let's count down to that one. Ole Miss is opening with the uh, Blue Hens of Delaware. <laughs> Forty-five days. <laughs> First time in a long time. I don't. I don't know who that opening day starter will be for Mississippi State. I knew who it would be last year. I knew who it would be the year before that. I knew who it would be the year before that, and so on and so forth. I have a pretty good guess as to who the opening day starter is going to be for Ole Miss. Yeah, I think you should feel pretty confident in that in that uh, in that assumption. And his name rhymes with Munter Melliot. <laughs> Just kind of going out on a limb there. Probably, um, probably a good call. So, three-game series with Delaware to start things for Ole Miss, and then Arkansas State in a midweek game. Wins. And then Maryland. Are they actually going to play that this year? What? That Arkansas State midweek game? Uh, in February, Yes. Yeah, good call. Play them early. That that decision had a direct impact Tom, on Tommy Rappo was like, "We're playing y'all early." Hey, yeah. tell me if that was the right decision or not. Hey, Dad, it was the absolute. I said it was the right decision at the time. Three game series with Maryland in week two. The baseball program. <laughs> they were a tournament team last year, weren't they? Yeah, hosted and got beat by UConn. 
You, you want a weird That's little right. schedule quirk, though? Three-game series with Maryland, and then two midweek games with Louisiana Tech, and then playing in a tournament in Minneapolis in week three, yeah. where their Friday opponent is Maryland. <laughs> Beautiful football stadium. The baseball setup's kind of uh, wonky, I guess, because they play it where the Vikings play. But yeah. it's it's a really cool thing. I, you guys know me. I love the novelty stuff. The Winter Classic the other day at Fenway Park, awesome. College baseball where the Vikings play, where Kirk Cousins throws interceptions in primetime, also awesome. It's still going to be really cold then, wouldn't it? Got, that's why it's a dome. Even though it's like week four. Oh, is it a dome? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm thinking of where Minnesota plays. Minnesota plays outside, like the, go- no, the Gophers. They, yeah, which yeah. is a no, interesting it's, it's choice. U.S. Bank Stadium. Uh, Maryland, Minnesota, and Nebraska. And then Southern Miss in the midweek, and then three-game series with Purdue. So, yeah, a lot of Big Ten early on the uh, Ole Miss schedule. Well, let's just have a look, then, as well. shall we? Mississippi State, Take a VMI, beat. then a couple with ULM in the midweek, and then a fun series, Arizona State comes to start, but we will consider Arizona State. A three-game set on the weekend. Uh, then the uh, game with Southern in Pearl. Then State heads to Frisco for the Bay Classic out there. Ohio State, Oklahoma, and California. Didn't they go to then, Frisco uh, last Valpo. Year? No, they went to... They didn't go anywhere last year. They didn't do a tournament last year. I feel like they played in. Oh, Southern Miss played in Frisco last year, and it was they played in Frisco cold, in nineteen. Cold, 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 cold. Yeah, cold. nineteen okay. or eighteen. State played out there. Yeah. All right. So, so Frisco. Who are they playing in Frisco? Uh, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and California. A conference okay. sampler. Uh, yeah. Then Valpo in the midweek. Lipscomb comes to Starkville on March tenth. And then midweek games with Nichols and Louisiana. Those are the two games that are down in Biloxi at MGM okay. Park. And then they'll start conference play on the road at Kentucky. Uh, Ole Miss's conference slate, I think, also starts on the road. No. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah. At Vandy to open SEC play on a Thursday, Friday, Saturday in March. State has Vandy the next week in Starkville. Yeah. You know, might be lovely in Nashville mid-March, or it might be snowing. You never know. Only time will tell. Uh, We should pause at our baseball conversation right now to remember that right now it is time for the college football fix. College football fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. You can test drive an F-150, best-selling truck in America, for 45 straight years at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. I love Michael Porky's reaction when we try to push the baseball envelope early. Hey, look! When when baseball season's here, see, I get flack for this on Twitter, and say, like, I had somebody the other day say, "I know you hate baseball. I don't hate baseball. I like base college baseball when it's college baseball season. But when it's football season, you can't get me excited about Delaware coming to town. You know, it, it's just not it, the, the the planes of interest are dramatically different. That's all. I don't hate it. I love it. I mean, could you imagine trying to do what our friends over in Birmingham do? Where they're 
you know, having the wide receivers coach from UConn on their show because, by God, you better be talking about college football all three hours of your show every single day. <laughs> I'll lose my mind. But great appreciation for college baseball when it's college baseball season. By the way, Southern Miss scheduled to begin the year. Today for the college mm-hmm. football fix, we talk early season college baseball schedules. It happens... It's the college... College baseball fix. Driven baseball by fix. Driven by Ford. Um, they open the season with Liberty, Pete Taylor Park in Hattiesburg, then UNO, then a three-game series with Illinois. So first seven are at home for Southern Miss, then they will ease up the road to Pearl to take on Mississippi State, then a three-game series with Dallas Baptist. That's March 3rd, 4th, and 5th. Then Ole Miss, uh, road trip to Oxford. That is on uh, Tuesday, March 7th. And then uh, Valpo for the final non-conference weekend before they jump into Sunbelt Conference play. Uh, just a quick peek, the uh, the home Sunbelt series this year for Southern Miss. Georgia Southern. Last weekend in March. Uh, are any of these at home? Good grief. Uh, James Madison, second weekend in April. Got to go to Coastal Carolina. Arkansas State, three-game series at the end of April. South Alabama in Hattiesburg. And close out the regular season with the Louisiana Raging Cajuns at Pete Taylor Park. That'd be fun. Sunbelt greater we, we, than we talk so much about. Yeah, we talked about how much it helps in football, but man, it is so much better in baseball. Yeah. Ole Miss's home SEC series this year: Week Two against Florida, Week Four against Arkansas, Week Six against LSU, Week Seven against Georgia, Week Nine against Auburn. Pretty good home, pretty good home slate. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. And do you think the expensive restaurants and the fa-fa bars on Capitol Hill are going to run up some big tabs tonight? Just, I'm just, just thinking out loud. There's going to be a lot of meeting that is happening away from the United States Capitol uh, in terms of trying to whip votes and rally support and uh, do lots of things behind the scenes. I, I know Gallo will talk about it in the morning, and Gerard will as well, but the Republicans... Unable to elect a House Speaker today, and they adjourned for the day. Hmm. Feels like there will be some big expense report tabs that are run up tonight. Just thinking out loud there. Looking forward to our our taxes paying for those things. Ah, lobbyists will take care of that. Very exciting. We're led by somebody. Very serious people. Um, 
college sports is also not led by serious people. You see where they're considering expanding the basketball tournament to uh, around 90 teams? 90 teams! So, this show doesn't have serious people either. Well, none of us are serious. True. So Some people... Love... I saw none of you were interested in engaging on the... <laughs> the... Uh, Speaker representative, I, 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 I couldn't, I couldn't possibly be less interested in engaging. I mean, I, I always have the same opinion about our, there, there are about our political leaders. There are few, few, few that actually care about the country and decorum and doing things right and trying to do things like make our lives easier. The rest of them are nothing but self-centered, corrupt, incompetent fools, and so. Not, nothing surprises me. Everything bad that happens up there should not surprise any of us because they're all in it for themselves, with the exception of few. Very few. Very few. But we're going to ruin the NCAA tournament. We're ruin it. And we're going to ruin Yeah. And we're going to ruin the, the semblance of good that comes with the regular season in college basketball. The college basketball regular season, I, I don't think, is a great product. College basketball in general is not anywhere close to football. And here's what I mean by that. College football in the NFL, I think, are comparable products. One is watched by a lot more people, but college football, generally speaking, is really good from a production standpoint. It's a really good product, even when you're not talking about Ohio State and Georgia and TCU and Michigan. There's great college football everywhere. There is not, in my opinion, great college basketball everywhere. I think it's kind of a tough watch. If you expand the tournament even further, the regular season disappears in meaning. It just It's worthless. It's already kind of hard to get into when you're not watching your team. Expand the tournament by another 20 teams? You're going to have teams with losing conference records make it regularly with 20 what? more. Did you say the... The NCAA tournament is hard to get into if you're not watching your team? No, the regular season of college basketball oh, is hard season. to get into I, I, unless I it's your say, team. What? No. Uh, no, Mar- no, I'm no. sorry, Borky. That's the end of the tournament. It's the third time that I have to disagree with you today. That's fine. We need, we need to go for more. But, no, the tournament's incredible. Regular season's kind of a tough watch. Eliminate? Not eliminate. But expanding it by 20 more? almost eliminates all of its meaning. Because, again, you'll have teams with losing conference records making the national championship tournament. And that's ridiculous. I have mixed emotions about that. And my mixed emotions are, I mean, watching George Mason in the tournament is fine. But I'd rather watch Florida. I think. I think. Are we adding an extra round of games if we go to 90? 90 is a number that would have to have some buys, right? Uh, yeah. It's around 90. They, they would, they're going to workshop the number, so that's not a firm number. It would number. be 96. 
to have you'd have four brackets of uh do the math Brian 24 that is correct yeah there it is yeah so 96 would do it 90 though somebody's somebody's got to not play in the first round yeah so you'd have to have six rounds to win mm-hmm. you'd have to win six games to win an NCAA it, let me ask you this if we go to 96. Are we actually going to be at 104 and still have the the four play-in games? Probably. You got to get rid of the play-in games, don't they? I, I guess mean, it would who be is in the play-in game at this point. Yeah, I know. You have, you have the the 15th, the fourth place finisher from the SWAC getting in. Yeah. I don't know. I and mean, it, there's something about having to play well down the stretch to make the tournament, and if you get rid of that, it just you're already watering down a pretty watered down regular season product to the point where imagine it's... if they uh, imagine if they did this for baseball, the entire SEC would get in. State would have gotten in last year. What nine and twenty one in the conference? Their RPI was like and be like in the, the mid nineties. Yeah, it would be like softball. Yeah. But at least in softball, for the most part, those teams are you know their RPI is good. Like states was not good last year, but they still might have gotten in. Yeah. So for those of you that don't know why we're talking about this at the moment, uh, one of the working group deal things that the NCAA proposes recommended that every sport have at least 20% of the participants make the tournament. 20 or 25? I think uh, 25. Committee is recommending allowing 25% of teams in sports sponsored by at least 200 schools. So basketball, baseball, softball, women's basketball. Yeah, um, I guess tennis and tennis, stuff like that. Yeah, golf would be. Although golf is kind of, yeah. it's not a set number. But like in baseball, so and of course this has to be adopted and all that things would have to happen. But in baseball, if you're Ole Miss or Mississippi State, and ninety six teams make the baseball tournament, and you don't host, no, all that, but. Would you ever pitch a a starter past the fifth inning, ever? Would you ever have a reliever go twice in the same weekend? What would be the point of the regular season? Let's say they adopt that recommendation and go to a 96-team college baseball tournament. Why would Mike Bianco or Chris Limonis, and probably Scott Barry, honestly, with the way his program is run, and the metrics, they always favor Southern Miss, they always schedule well, why would you ever try, truly try in the regular season? Mike says baseball would be seventy-five because they're roughly three hundred teams. But um, they can go. They can go further. Is the point? Yeah, Hunter. I, I don't really disagree with what Hunter's saying here. He says just like everyone said, football was ruined, and it wasn't. The product in the field wasn't ruined in any way. But this would be the same thing, and basketball would be fine. kind of think it would be fine, and I think it would just be more of what we love. Borky, I almost would take your words about the college basketball regular season being pretty watered down and say, I don't know that it changes anything. It would still be pretty watered down. People would, I mean, you'd have a dozen games that people would tune in to watch throughout the course of the year. Two of those are Duke, Carolina. 
Is Duke Carolina going to have the same juice it's always had without Coach K? I, I, I don't know. Probably so. It's a pretty good rivalry. Yeah, you'd have a couple of Big 12 games, a couple of SE, you know, Kentucky against Tennessee would do well in the ratings. It's like if nobody really pays attention to the sport in the regular season anyway. And the only time you get a ton of eyeballs on college basketball is during March Madness. Why not make March Madness a little bit bigger? I mean, if I'm a conference commissioner or I'm a coach, I'm for this. Oh, of course, because coaches' contracts have tournament appearance written into it. I mean, you know, it, it helps them a ton. I don't know. I. It, people are comparing this to football, and that doesn't make sense to me. We're talking about 12 teams in football. Out of one... 32. At some point, though, I'm going to be old man yells at cloud guy. At some point, you have to earn something. It's a welcome change from you yelling at carolers. Clouds are good. But you've got to earn something, man. I mean, the, the, the tournament has to... Getting a bid to the tournament right now is an accomplishment. The more you expand it, the less of an accomplishment it becomes. At some point, you do have to earn your keep as opposed to expanding it out so Greg Sankey can get all his teams in. Which, of course, is the motivation. It's nothing other than getting your teams in to make more money. Which I get, but man, 96 teams making the national championship? They all didn't earn it. Hey, Dad, Jeff wants to know what your opinion is. We'll get that on the other side of this break. Sports Talk Mississippi. Scathing hot opinions. Burning hot opinions. Next. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on supertalk.fm, the Super Talk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. Quest for a smoking hot opinion from Brian Haydad. Jeff wanted to know what is Haydad's opinion? What does he think? Haydad, the topic was a an expanded NCAA basketball tournament. Yeah, I was listening. I just making sure. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know if you like chimed in. Candy Crush over there or something. No. Uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> oh, I got the eye roll from you. <laughs> Get the eye roll. I, I love just, it. I still know. Uh, goodness, it's in my eye. Uh, my my first thought is along the lines of what Borky was saying is I, I don't want teams with uh, sometimes teams with losing records get into the NCAA tournament because they win the automatic bids. They they have a hot run in their conference tournament and and they get in. That I don't have an issue with, but I think an an at large bid we got to put some sort of qualifier on that you got to be above five hundred. I feel like I feel like you just have to do that. The the issue might be though there might be some years where you don't have that many teams. I don't I don't know. My my first thought is I don't like it. I'm old and I don't like change. Um, but I like you know the football thing. I'm I'm a fan of. I think because you're twelve twelve out of one hundred and thirty, like you were saying. Okay, that's about representative. Twenty five percent. Of of the of the field getting in, that's that's it feels like a bit much. Okay. 
all these guys against teams getting into the postseason, against being part of the dance, against getting the joy of playing in March Madness where everybody's eyes are focused on the sport of college basketball. Okay, guys. Against student-athlete experience. I'm against participation trophies. Against participation. Wait, no, that's not the same thing. It's not what I'm talking about. So when the college football playoff expands, 9% of the participants will make the playoff. If college basketball were to go to 96, which might be a little high depending on what they end up deciding, would be 27% of the participants. Comrade Cross wants everyone to have equal opportunity. What if we had 32 and a half college football teams in the playoff? Is that half team Ole Miss? Hey, I hear you. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. And just, it's going on 25% of 130. I don't even know that 130 is the actual number. I think it, it's, it's around 130. It's rapidly growing. What, in Kennesaw State about to make the jump, too? I mean, everybody's jumping to, to D1 at this point. You know, and, and forgive me. Mike for Leach was a very conservative guy, but he wanted. He wanted a 64-team playoff in college football. He wanted half the field in. He did. He talked about that on this radio program with us one day. He did. He did. All right. Speaking of college basketball, hoops tonight. Mississippi State and Tennessee tip off in about 20 minutes. Lost some of our affiliates to the Mississippi State pregame show from Knoxville. Uh, what's they got to do here? Like, just nasty it up, lockdown defense? Because Ole Miss kind of did that to Tennessee. They're going to do that. That's not the issue. They've got to be better at making shots than they were against Alabama and making free throws. Missed 18 free throws in a game they lost by 11. You know, Tolu Smith, I, Tolu Smith is a good basketball player. He had a bad game against Alabama. But you have two bad games, and now it's a trend. So he needs to come back tonight and have, a, you know, whether State wins or not, Tolu Smith needs to be getting 15, 16, 17 points, 7, 8, 9, 10 rebounds in this game, just just to shake off all the bad vibes from, from a week ago. Um, and then, like you said, muddy it up, play your defense the way you've been playing all year, and maybe you can go to the last few minutes with a chance to win. Is there any word that you have heard? I haven't. Had, I didn't do much preview of it because we had the bowl game. Can you name me? Yeah, when you play your bowl any, games, when you win more games and you play, you you play later in the bowl calendar. It's it can mess up your basketball stuff. Yeah, because we I'm play sure you know, like on like the twenty eighth. Yeah, can you name me any of Tennessee's five starters? Sure, um, Allen Houston. Uh, Chris Lofton. Chris Lofton, a great player. Scotty Hobson, I remember Admiral him. Admiral Schofield. Well. Great player. Who's that guy? Who's the other guy on that team? Williams, was that his name? Grant Williams. Grant Williams, that's right. Yeah. Yes, he now plays in Michael Borky's association. He does. He does. Fairly well, too, doesn't he? Yeah. Schofield plays for is in the is in the league. He's just not playing much. Surely you've heard of Santiago Vescovi. I remember Santiago from last year, yes. Yes. From Uruguay. Man, they have got a there is a diverse Uruguay, starting lineup. 
for Tennessee in terms of hometowns. Salina, Tennessee, Montevideo, Uruguay, Blythewood, South Carolina. You ever been there, Borky? Blythewood, yes. Okay. Helsinki, Finland. Nice. And Ivanijica, Serbia. Shout out to Serbia. Yes. Ole Miss and Alabama coming up tonight. So, so did, did we establish what Mississippi State has to do to win this game? You, you just agreed with me on muddy it up and, and that's no. good enough? Make more shots. They've got, they got to be better offensively, and they got to be better from the free throw line. Okay. Um, Ole Miss and Alabama tonight. <sighs> Porky, this Alabama team's good. They run and they shoot. And they're long, and they are talented, and they are fast. Got a top-five pick. (sighs) Yeah. He is good. Are you talking about Sears? Miller. No, Williams. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So Brandon Miller, the true freshman who had 19 points and 11 rebounds against Mississippi State. Good player. Preseason second team All-SEC. You've got Mark Sears, who had 20 against Mississippi State and is averaging 14 and a half. Good Don't player. forget about Javon Quinterly, who, by the way, is only averaging six this year as a senior and has been a massive part of what Alabama has done for the last few years. And who are you He's talking about? He's just getting healthy. Uh, Brandon Miller. Yeah. He's talking about Miller. Yeah, yeah, he's a possible top five pick, man. I mean, just fluid shooter, athletic, great ball handler. I mean, Ole Miss has their hands full tonight. Uh, he's averaging nineteen and nine. And look at his three point shooting percentage at six foot nine. His his three point he shoots better from behind the arc than he does from the field. Yeah, that that is your that is a very typical NBA three is what he is. Uh, we'll see if he can defend yeah. at that level, but uh, I mean, he he's. Just that kind of player. I mean, almost has their hands full. Uh, mentioned it before, and we're up against a break again, ironically. But the, we could break down like the nuances of this game if we want. But simply, they have to look like they can produce offense with consistency. How do they do that? I don't get paid two and a half or whatever million dollars to figure that out. That's up to somebody else. But they far too often, even in wins over the last couple of years now, go through shockingly long stretches of not making a basket. They don't do a good enough job of generating easy or consistent offense with the ball in their best player's hands, getting them looks either downhill or at the basket or open shots. When they get in those stretches, it looks like they are not doing anything to get themselves out of those stretches. And you you go 11 minutes without a made basket tonight like you did last week, you're losing by 30. Brandon Miller is shooting 45% from behind the arc and 42% from the field. He has four or made threes in seven games this season of the 13 that Alabama has played. He's made 12 threes in the last three games. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll wrap it up next. 
Sports Talk Mississippi. What is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Michael Borky loves a good stat of the day, and he has a doozy prepared for you as we uh, look forward to a Kentucky basketball game uh, that is coming up this evening. The Kentucky Wildcats, uh, surprisingly, right, on uh, on ESPN? Everybody's, everybody's shocked that uh, they stink, though. <laughs> I know. They're not good. I, 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 am, I am aware. Uh, and yet they are a large favorite tonight at home against LSU. Ten and a half point favorite against twelve and one LSU, who's coming off a hold win against Arkansas. That one's at uh, seven on ESPN tonight. Super Tuesday. Here we go. All right, Borky. Stat of the day. Uh, you're gonna have to read it because I uh, had to okay. reset the computer in here, and so my there you go. it happens. Yeah. Here we go. Michael Borky's stat of the day. Kentucky basketball, in their last 75 games, has a record of 46 wins and 29 losses. That is a winning percentage of 613. Kentucky football, in their last 75 games, has a record of 47 and 28. A six twenty seven winning percentage. Football school. And and you know what Kentucky do did not do in that time frame? Lose to St. Peter's. Kentucky basketball also did not get held scoreless by Iowa, in fairness. I mean, we need to like balance this thing out just a little bit. Okay. Fair and balance. Fair and balance. Kentucky got outscored by Iowa's defense fourteen to nothing in their bowl game. Mm. Now that game was a delicious train wreck. It was so bad. I enjoyed it so much. Were there many Kentucky fans at that game? No, yeah, they didn't really. show a ton of crowd shots. I, di- I didn't notice any, though. They were playing Louisville in hoops that day, so uh, there you go. They won that game. Devin Leary chose... <laughs> Without knowing anything else, I just know they played Louisville. They won they that won. game. Devin Leary chose that over Auburn. Chose Kentucky Here for his soul over Auburn. Mm. Louisville's two and twelve in basketball. By the way, how does that happen? How does hey, that happen? Nate Oates, new Louisville head, head basketball coach. Ooh, one and done with Kenny Payne. They can't go on like that. That's Louisville. Jim Harbaugh has been contacted about the Broncos opening and apparently has already talked to the owner of the Carolina Panthers. There has been reporting that if there is a real offer, Jim Harbaugh will take an NFL job in this hiring cycle. What does that mean to you? What should it mean? Michigan's a good college job. That, that, that'll, that I'm interested to see who they bring in, especially at this late juncture. Yeah, that makes that 
situation fascinating. I have seen some people reporting on this saying that he would leave for the NFL because he's frustrated with college football. I cannot possibly roll my eyes any harder than that. He he would leave for a better job because he's because of frustration with college football. It's the NFL. Nick Saban even tried it, failed at it, but tried it because it's a better well, job. Harbaugh is also a proven winner in the NFL. Yes, so, I mean, no, there's no, they're not, not, not the, uh, the fallback option there. It's just crazy. There are, there I are think, people. I think the Panthers and the Broncos are bad options, though. He should wait and see what else opens up. I mean, there are people like Cowherd that think that Michigan's a better. What did he say? Michigan's a better job than all but five NFL jobs. I think is what he said. I mean, just, just absolute utter nonsense. Really? I mean, it's just absurd. It's absolutely. And totally ridiculous. Lifestyle, there's more pressure. You have to be more precise. But it's crazy. Anyway, um, it makes sense for those franchises to do that. You know, he's, he's been mentioned with basically every job that has come open. Would, would, would Lane Kiffin's name be associated with the Michigan job? Lane Sorry, Kiffin, a Michigan I man. Tried to, I tried to they, they wouldn't hire him. But you know, you know what would be funny though. After everything that instead went of down being with in the Auburn, golf, he could be on Lake Superior. Yeah, but after everything that went down with Auburn and how, I mean, all the way up to the top, his bosses, uh, the person running the collective, everybody frustrated with how he handled the Auburn thing. Can, can you Kiffin can dropping you his name into the Michigan thing too would just be? Can, can you imagine if? If Keith Carter got a call from, I don't know, Lane or Jimmy Sexton or whoever, you, you know, Michigan's interested. <laughs> like, I want that okay. to happen. I want to. I want to hear. I want to hear that conversation. All right. Lane wants you to catch Muskie and Perch. The point where you go. Okay. Good luck. Good luck. It was never meant to be at that point. Wow. Sports Talk Mississippi Double Dip of Hoops tonight. Mississippi State and Tennessee about to tip Ole Miss and Alabama coming up at 8. Thanks for being with us on this Tuesday afternoon in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Have a great Tuesday night. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.